you've given us in the past, the promises that you'll give us in the days to come. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you prepare our hearts, you prepare my heart and my mind, my spirit, Lord, to deliver your word today. That, Lord, there'd be a, a planning and implant implementation and a release of the seeds of your presence and your spirit that you'll accomplish in each of us in our families and extended families and that you'll accomplish most of all lord in our church the work that you want to do come holy spirit in jesus name amen amen, amen. now john paul jackson is was a dear friend of ours was a spiritual father who is now we know with the lord and having a grand grand time and uh just, I know he's, he's really enjoying his time there, but we do miss him. But on 12 to 14, as someone very astutely said, oh, you got the wrong date there. And I said, no, that was the date that this word was given. This was um, the last time, actually, that I got to see John Paul and got to go over um, and, uh, in Texas and spend 30 minutes with him of time there. And during that, he was taping the videos, and we, we've shown this before, but I wanted you to just have a copy of it because it's a launch pad that, that I think that we really need to focus upon. Because John Paul, during the um, ministry time, gave a prophetic word specifically for our church. He called out, he says, Doug? And he says, and I said, yeah. And, and so this is what he said. He said, There's a coming, there is coming a tidal wave of his spirit, that is the Lord's spirit, to our church. Not tomorrow, lest the infrastructure be washed away. It is coming. He is going to begin to prepare leadership for what happens so that we can handle the outgrowth of what a spiritual tsunami might do. And then the last thing the Lord said, and this, to my knowledge, this is the last time John Paul prophesied, this was important to the Lord. And as I thought about this, and, you know, it's easy to kind of get passive and say, okay, God, you know, if you're going to bring anything about it, we're for it and everything else. But the Lord just really pressed upon me this week as I was in prayer, was that this is something we need to have be active participants in. That it's something that we need to focus on. It's something that we need that as a leader myself, as a pastoral leader here, as others that are in leadership, that we need to do what we can to sow into the word that the Lord has for us. Because we don't want to have the word of God that falls to the ground and it gets buried underground and we miss the imitation that God has. And so many times, whether it's prophetic words or other things, or just, just the Lord's speaking to us, he will give us opportunities, and he'll give us vision, and he'll give us direction. And it's up to us to acknowledge that, to embrace that, and to cultivate that. And if you've ever done a garden, and you know that, that you can have the seeds, but you've got to have the soil prepared, and you've got to uh, you know, have the proper amount of water or whatever else, or things that can help that. And I believe the same is true for us in the growing of our church and, and what the Lord wants to do in our lives. Um, and we'll talk more about that as we go on through this. The title of today's message is Hungering for God's Presence. Hungering for God's Presence. And I want to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is a passage that, that you will recognize. Uh, it's one that we look to, but I think it's a good launch pad as we're looking at this today. Chapter 3 and verse number 1 of Ecclesiastes. That's page 1059 in my Bible. Like, that will, that will help you. Not at all. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. 
a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and time to gather them, to embrace and to refrain from embracing, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, and a time to be silent, and a time to speak. Then going down to verse number 10. He said, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Say that with me. He has made everything beautiful in his time. And another way we could say that is that he's makes, he makes everything beautiful in his time or in his season. You know, and I believe that this is what the Lord has for us, is the Lord has a season for us in that. It's very interesting that sometimes you just, we forget that the Lord speaks things and we kind of push them aside. But I'm sure that you haven't um, helped but notice all the, um, uh, the riots and the dif difficulties and everything that's been going on in the northern part of our nation that we need to really cry out to the Lord for and pray for and for the riots there. And someone on Facebook had posted um, a, a prophecy that John Paul had had that came out of his um, um, special thing that he'd had from the Lord. And in that particular thing they posted, it, it started listing the exact things. It was the perfect storm was the, was the title of that. But what we're seeing now in riots and so many other things were the things that John Paul had prophesied a few years ago that God was going to bring, that we need to pray and to cry out to him. And so we need to understand that, that God does have times. He does have seasons. And in those seasons, especially seasons of invitation, and that's what I believe we have, is we have a season of invitation to say, yes, Lord, we thank you that this is a word that you've spoken for our body. This is a word that you've spoken for our church. So this is a time for us to respond, to respond not in doubt, not in unbelief, not in, in you know, so-so, but to respond saying, yes, Lord. You know, it, it may not seem to be in our ability, but Lord, we want to, to say yes to you and yes to what you're doing in everything, in every way that we can. So, as we said in Ecclesiastes 3, the times and seasons in God's kingdom. And I, so what I've give, given you here, on this from John Paul, is it's basically that what we have, a prophetic word, is it's an invitation. It's an invitation that the Lord has given to us. And I believe, and this should, be, this should be in your outline, that we're in a season of the restoration of God's presence and power. I really think that sometimes we, it's so easy, and, and I'll be the first to say that I do it, but it's so easy to be focused on the negative. It's so easy to, to focus on all the things that are bad and all the things that seem to be going away and, and, and this happening and persecution happening and so many other areas. And, and the more we focus on that, the more we make room for it, then the more that we, we basically are, are, are allowing that to come into our system. But I believe that God has upon us an invitation for a season of restoration of his presence and his power. And as you have in your notes there, I believe part of that invitation for us specifically as a church, although I also believe it's for the body of Christ, is that God wants to release in us an invitation to be a sinner that, that can bring revival of his presence, and that's specifically what we're talking about here. It's a revival of his presence, revival of his power, revival of healing. And I believe that the Lord wants to do that in our hearts. I believe that's our heritage. I believe that's our calling. And that's, we had words 
spoken about that, not from just John Paul, but from when we first founded the church and through the years of the church and decades of the church, over and over and over. And we need to, to embrace that and say, yes, Lord. And we want, we want to see happen in our midst what you want to happen in our midst. We want to see your, and experience your, your presence. We want to see and experience your power. Not as like a parlor game or something like that, but we want to experience your presence and your power and your anointing so that our hearts can be changed and our hearts can be molded and that we can be filled with holy boldness by your spirit to do what you've called us to do. We're called to be an active participant in special visitations of the Holy Spirit. You know, I think that sometimes what happens is that when God issues an invitation such as this, an invitation that, that the Lord wants to bring a tsunami of his presence to our, to our church and to our church body, and perhaps even beyond that, that we need to remember that when we're focusing upon that, that it's an invitation. It's something that, that we have to respond to. It's something we have to say, yes, Lord, we want that. We cry out for that. We, we pray for that. We pray for you to release in that. And it's in my prayer time, I've started going very specific, praying and saying, Lord, would you open my eyes? Would you open my ears? Would you open my heart? Lord, what do I as a pastor need to do in speaking and teaching and and in praying, what do we need to do to see you release the promise that you've given us? Because I know that whenever there's a block, it's not on God's side, it's on our side. You know, it's, it's, it's us embracing, us understanding, and us persevering in that to see what the Lord has for that. And so during that, as, as active participants during this special visitation, what I just want to cry out and what I cry out in my prayer time is, Lord, don't pass us by, you know, and, and it's like, Lord, I'm, I'm happy for you to do this with everybody, but Lord, I don't want you to pass us by. I don't want us to miss out the invitation and the prophetic promise that you've given to us, because I believe in the timing of, of all of this, that for the last word that a dear prophetic friend had was for our church body was for this. I've spent this last week really repenting before the Lord for not pursuing it more more adequately, not pressing into it. And, and I think that sometimes we have to do that. Scripture talks about cont uh, contending for the faith. And I believe that we need to contend for the faith. You know, that we need to say, yes, this is our heritage. We believe God wants to release healing and miracles and signs and wonders and, and to bring salvation and, and to have an impact in our midst, in our city and around. And so again, God, don't pass us by. Because it's all about establishing his kingdom. It's not about establishing uh, our vineyard church here that we have in Shreveport. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a blessing when it grows and God can use us. But it's not about that. What it's about is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. And not so much that we think in the terms of buildings and that sort of thing. But it's the rule and reign of God in the hearts of men and women and children. It's his reign in our hearts. And so in hungering for his presence, what we're crying out is, Lord, come and reign in my heart. Come and live in my heart. Come and, come and reign and live in my attitudes, which sometimes is the very hardest place for things to happen. But Lord, do that. Do that. Roman numeral two, two says, God will respond to a hungering people. In other words, if we're really hungry, if we're really thirsty, if we're really crying out to the Lord on a, 
a daily basis as a church and as individuals and, and maybe for our families and for, for those that we know or for people on our streets or our different places, for our cities, for our states, for our nations, that if we are continually just crying out to that and hungering for God to move, not just upon us, but to move throughout the body of Christ and those that need his touch, God responds to that. He's responding to that. I wrote down here, and, and we'll look at, and first you can look at 1 Samuel chapter 1 if you want to be going there, that God is still looking for willing vessels to birth his purposes today. God is still looking for willing vessels to birth his purposes today. In 1 Samuel 1, let's look there. And we'll just refer to this. We won't read the whole thing. But this is an example of a lady that had a great hunger, had a great desire. And her desire was to have a child because she was barren. And not only was she barren, but there was another wife in this family. And this other wife basically mocked and mocked continually, attacking Hannah. Hurt says in verse number 7, that year after year, whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival, this would have been the other wife there, provoked her till she wept and couldn't eat. And so it was a painful thing. Every year when they went to present their offerings, present their time, and to go you know, to, to where we have here in First Samuel, go and, and express their devotion and their love and everything for that, that time was a time of great pain for her because it reminded her that she couldn't have children and she hadn't have children and she was being mocked. It was a difficult time. And yet in the midst of that, she was crying out to God, oh God, give me that child. And she even kind of did a, a bargain deal. You know, she's crying out for, for, to the Lord for a son. She was praying, this is from your notes, she was praying for God's provision. And then we see in verse 11, that she was willing to sacrifice to see God answer her prayer. Willing to see sacrifice. She basically here said, Lord, she made a vow, verse 11, saying, Lord Almighty, if you'll look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will be used on his head. That doesn't mean that just she wanted him you know, what it was saying there was that he was going to take the vow of a Nazarite, that he was going to have a special calling, a special anointing upon him. And so she cries out to the Lord. The, the guy that's there that's supposed to hear from the Lord thinks she's drunk and that she's, and he tells her to, uh, rebukes her in that. She says, no, it's not that. And she cries out and the Lord hears her crying. She hears her praying and she's willing, as we said, to sacrifice to see God answer a prayer. So God blessed not only her, but he blessed an entire nation. Because what we see from this cry of this dear woman that was crying, yes, for herself and her own hurt, but she was crying, Lord, would you bring a child and I'll give that child away? Would you bring a child and, and I'll do that? And Samuel, we know, became the greatest one of the greatest prophetic individuals that we have in the Bible, in the Old Testament especially, and that he was used masterfully by the Lord in a time of great difficulty, in a time of great falling away, that he was someone that the Lord used. 
As a matter of fact, scripture has a very interesting phrase used to attribute it to him. It says that his words never fell to the ground. You know what that means? That if Samuel said this was going to happen, guess what? That was, it happened. It happened. He was, he was probably the truest prophet that we ever have listed in scripture, short of Jesus himself in that. But again, we just see that, that this time of barrenness that she's in, and that time of barrenness, she's crying out, as I said before, for God's provision, for new life, and basically she's crying out for a miracle. And I would just encourage you, whether it's, it's specifically in relation to our church and our needs that we have as a church and what God has, but even, even more than that, in the needs that you have in your own life, if you're single or if you're married or, or you, have, you have family, whatever else, that all of us could cry out to God to release his purposes and his anointing and his provision. You know, we all want to live a life well, well lived, right? We want to have impact. We want to, to do what the Lord has called us to, to do and to say. We don't want to look back at the end of our life and say, oh, if only. You know, if only I'd done this. Or if, you know, I can't imagine how difficult it would be, you know, to have the Lord take you up and do a kind of a, a run through your life and showing you all the times. You know, I, I don't think the Lord would do that because I think it would probably be too painful for most of us or for some of us anyway of that. But the Lord here, because she's, Hannah's crying out, he answers his prayer. He brings provision that blesses the whole nation. God heard her cry, and he brought his word to his people because of that, because she was willing to give that away. Song of Songs, chapter 8. Just going to read a few verses here. Song of Songs. It's also that we, it's on page 1079. <laughs> Fine. That doesn't work for yours. But you probably do have an index you could find it from in that way. I'm the pastor and I was prepared so I can find all these. Hopefully. Songs, Song of Songs, chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as a grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would utterly be scorned. And then it goes on from there. But this is what, I, I, the Lord just brought me to this passage in this as we were talking about this, that when we're talking about hungering for God's presence and we're talking about uh, seeing the Lord bring his presence, the tsunami of his presence, and releasing us individually and corporately as families and everything else, that we have to understand that it's not based just out of legalism or, or ritual or anything else. This is based out of passion. This is based out of passion. Now, if you read... Read the entire book of Song of Songs. You know, we could have done that, but then it would have probably started blushing some. <laughs> Reading through if you've ever read that. And, uh, but just, just to understand that our God is a passionate God. That he loves us so much. You know, the lie of the enemy is, is that when we struggle or we have a difficulty or we do something that we feel like disappoints the Lord or hurts the Lord or is wrong, and so God must be angry, he doesn't care for us, he doesn't love us. 
You know, I think at most sometimes what he's really doing is weeping because he cares for us. You know, we, we try to be good dads and moms and grandparents or whatever else in that, but God loves us because before we were created, he already had it all planned. It all, he already had, because he sees the beginning of the parade and the end of it, he already knew the whole parameter of what was offered and what was available and what his plans and his purpose was and is for us individually, as families and corporately, and as a church. So we need to embrace that because it's a beautiful portrait that we have here from Song of Songs of two people that loved each other. And one of the things that we see in this, and this is in the notes I've given you, is that there's a great loss, a great longing and a sense of desperation when the two are separated. When they're together, they're, they're, they're excited, they love each other, they're just so glad to be with one another. But when, they're, when, when the separation comes, they're just, oh, there's a pain. There's just, it hurts so much to be separated from, from this one that they love, which is, again, a beautiful analogy of our love for the Lord Jesus and our love that he has for us in that. And so in those times of the great loss and longing, I, one of the prayers I'm praying is, God, just make me every day ache for your presence. Let me every day and every time in my prayer time and every, wherever I am, just give me your heart. Let me feel your broken heart for those that are lost. Let me feel your heart for those that, that, are, that need physical healing or emotional healing or need miracles. And in that, Lord, in me and in us as a body of Christ, would you do that in a way that moved us, but not just moved our emotions, but moved us to the place of action that we're willing to take the R-I-S-K. We're willing to take the risk of faith to see God impart and release healing and deliverance and restoration and all of his presence that he has for us in that. Um, chapter 3 and verse 2 says this. This was back from the Song of Songs. It says, I will search for the one I love. There are times when you read through Song of Psalms, you'll see they're apart, and they're like, where is she? Where is he? And they're just... They're hungry for that. They're desperate for that. And that's something I want us, us to be that way is we're so hungry for his presence. Worship was so good today. I appreciate that. It was great just to sit on the chair and worship along and to have the whole team here. And I think they're all leaving this next week, so you'll just have me. But, but in that, you know, but, but it's, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, don't get too excited on that. But, uh, no, it's uh, something that, we want the Lord to do is to just capture our hearts, to capture our hearts, that we'll search for the one we love, that, that if we feel like we're, are we, let me ask you this question, are we closer to the Lord than we were a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, or are we further away? You know, and it just takes, we just have to make sure we're going the right direction and a step at a time, drawing closer and crying for his presence, crying for his anointing, so that we can deal with that in that. You know, love for God is also described as a burning passion, a burning passion that we just burn with passion, hunger for the Lord. Isaiah 55, and I want to read, read from this, Isaiah chapter 55. Not the entire chapter, but just a bit of it, a few bits of it. This is something the Lord is speaking to us. Come, all of you who are thirsty. Have you ever been to a place where it was really hot, and, and uh, really humid, and, it was, and you were out working in it, 
and um, so you're really thirsty? Of course you have. This is Louisiana. All right. So don't you have to think only thing. No. If you've been outside in the summertime, which I, you don't have to prophesy, I know is very quickly approaching and, and it's coming, that, that we in those times want to be refreshed with the waters of the Lord. Come, verse, this is chapter 55 of Isaiah. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Now that's a paradox there. Come to the Lord. Even if you don't have money, come, buy and eat. Well, I understand the come part. I understand the eat part. But how do you get the buy part? You know, how, how, do, how do we pay for it? How can we qualify for that? Well, apparently, if we'll just respond to the word of the Lord to come into his presence and to come, that the condition is not whether we have money and not whether we think we have personal resources. The condition of God bringing it is just his responding to our need. And that's what the Lord wants to do in our hearts and our lives as a church and individuals. He wants to respond to our need. He says, you have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, listen, that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. And then it goes on, and I'm going to look in verse number, skip to verse number 6 of Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And the Lord just specifically brought this to me this week in relation to this prophetic word that we had. You know, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him while he's near. And the Lord has given us a, a now word. He's given us an invitation. He's given us a calling. He's given us an invitation, invitation as a church to see his presence come. And so, you know, um, one of the ways that sometimes we, we can translate this, especially in the New Testament Greek, is, is not just seek the Lord, but keep on seeking. You know, keep on knocking. Keep on, you know, just, just heaven's door. Oh, Lord, come. Bring your purposes. Bring your anointing. Bring what you want to do. Take, take place, Lord. Bring it to us that, in the ways that we need. Verse number 11, it says, oh, I'm sorry, let's go to verse number 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So it is with my word that goes out from my mouth. This was a word from God that went out from his mouth to us through John Paul. It says, it will not return to me empty or void, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and you'll be led forth in peace. Does that sound like a good, good word from the Lord? You'll go out today you know, and tomorrow in joy and led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. The trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. And this will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. And so these are, again, just prophetic promises that the Lord has given to his people, to his body, to those that hunger and thirst for his presence in that. It's an invitation for those that are thirsty and hungry, 
for those that are empty and needy, and for those that are seeking and unsatisfied. Because God responds to when we're hungry. God responds to when we're, when we're um, thirsty. And I was thinking about this this week, is that sometimes, and, and I was thinking about this because I'm so guilty of it, and so don't laugh too loud on this. But I was thinking about a lot of times when it comes to the things of the Lord, we become picky eaters. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right. And Kathy's looking at me like, mm-hmm, and that. But we become picky eaters. I was like, oh. bless you, my child. <laughs> bless you, my child. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm hungering for God's presence here. <laughs> Next week is repentance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's true. That's true. I'm glad to do that. I'm glad to get, us, get you laughing a little bit and Kathy to laugh a little bit. But we have God's invitation. He's responding to our hungering and our thirsting for him now and for eternity. And in Revelation 19.9, you don't have to turn there, but that's... That speaks of the, of the great banquet of the Lamb. And you know what that's all about? That's all about when everything's done, everything's, everything is finished, and we're all together, that we're going to have the banquet feast of the Lamb. It'll be a great, great time that we have for that in the days to come. All right. Going on now, we're at B, examples from the New Testament. And what I have here are just the first few of these. These are just kind of a a reminder of what we talked about in the last several weeks when I did an entire series on the Beatitudes, what our attitude should be. But as I was looking at this and looking at what I was talking about today, I just felt like this really tied in, to some of this tied in as well. So I wanted to use this to tie in as well to what we've been talking about in, in responding to prophetic words and then pressing in for God to release what he wants to. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be filled. And we said that you know that they were the blessings of God would come. There was happiness. They were satisfied. And literally, it spoke what this spoke of was being under the waterfall of His blessing. I think it's kind of interesting that I did the whole series on on the Beatitudes, and, and that now I'm looking at something that specifically ties in to what we're looking at today. I feel like that was the Lord in that. And we said before when we went through looking at the Beatitudes was that what, it, what it's all about is that there's a deep longing that begins in a point in time and then there's that continuous present. In other words, at some time in our life, whether it's, it's been a long time ago or just recently or today or tomorrow or whenever, but there comes times, there comes seasons where the Lord stirs us. He stirs us up. He encourages us. He, he, he brings to us a deep longing and a hunger in that. And in those times, if we will respond, we will receive from the Lord everything that he has for us. But it's important that we respond, that we respond in faith, that we don't respond in doubt, that we respond in continually seeking after the Lord in that. You know, continuous present. The more that you partake, the more that you want. And um, I can't remember, I probably did this in the... Um, when we were going through this series, but I, I wrote down Turkish delight. Do you remember the lion, witch, in the wardrobe? Well, Turkish delight is not what we want, okay? But you remember what happened was she, the, the wicked witch came and, 
And she gave him his Turkish delight, and the more he took, the more it captured his heart and his longing, and he just wanted that. Well, see, sometimes I feel like that we satisfy for things that we, we're longing for, and it's the imitation. It's not the real, or it's something that really is to our detriment and not to our advancement. And so that's what we want to do in this. It is hungry and thirsting for righteousness, for right standing, for right relationship, for continually not being satisfied, with, but, but only from the springs of his presence, that we want that every day, wherever we are, you know, that, that we just, we, we can't live without his presence in that. Some of the notes that we had here from before, speaking of this, that it was like a, being in a place of starvation, dying of thirst in your next breath. You know, remember that little story I always, uh, that I've used several, several times about the person that's being mentored and he's just being mentored and training him about walking with God and that sort of thing, that he, he takes him down to the water, and as he's taking him down, he's thinking, oh, I guess he's going to baptize me. And then he takes, him, and he takes him down the water, and instead of just baptizing him, he pushes him underwater. And he holds him underwater as he's you know, trying to get up. And so then he's thinking, oh, I guess he's going to kill me. <laughs> he's going to take me to heaven here. But he comes up out of the water. And when he comes up out of the water, sputtering, before he can ask, what, what, what are you doing? Why, why did that happen? Then the mentor, the wise mentor says, when you become uh, as desperate as you were for that next breath of air, then you will know what it is to be a follower of God. Then you know, will know what it is to hunger and thirst for what he has for you. You know, that, that the place of desperation. And that, that's the cry of my heart. I mean, we need to cry that for our nation. You know, I, don't, I, you know, I don't know if you watch the, the news or anything going on. Probably not a real edifying <laughs> thing to do. But there's a lot of bad stuff going on in a lot of difficult places. And, and I think we need to cry out and pray for our nation. And that we need to learn how to move in the power and the anointing of God. Because I believe it's going to take the power and the anointing of God to be able to reach and encourage and transform people's lives who have been so dominated by lies and darkness. There is so much darkness in our land. And we don't need to focus on that or, or, or give credence to that. We just need to understand that dealing with darkness is simply taken care of by turning on the light. And it's not even a battle. And we need to say, God, would you shine your light in our hearts as a church and as individuals so that wherever we go, we carry the light of your presence and so that when we encounter darkness, it's not a fight, it's already done. That the light of your presence will dispel the darkness that comes against us. We need to really be praying for that and crying for that in that. Okay, skipping on down. A little bit it involves pursuing and not just passively waiting. Involves, this was down like number five, six, seven in that area. You know, crying out for God's kingdom to come, not just passively waiting, as I said, but having the, the object of our pursuit to be righteousness, right standing, right relationship. Just crying out, oh God, we want to walk in your presence, in your anointing, in your wisdom, in your direction, and what you have for us in our lives. Because the object of our pursuit is righteousness, right standing, right relationships. And that also means right attitudes. 
you know, that's one thing that, that I just have to pray about a lot. And even, even watching news and things that are going on, you know, I, th- I think it's very important that we, that we listen and understand what's happening in our world, but that we not become obsessed by it. And that we not allow other people who may or may not be godly to tell us what it all means. When the truth is, we as the body of Christ are the only ones that have a clue and have something that can, the Lord can speak and tell us what really is going on. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't watch news or anything else. I'm just saying that we need to go to the, you know, to the news of the Holy Spirit and say, God, what are you saying today? What are you doing today? What do you want to use in us today in that? Because I think that the Lord in the days to come is going to raise up, and I haven't thought of this before, it just came to me, that the Lord's going to raise up bands of prayer, bands of prayer, people that will band together and they will cry out for their neighborhoods and they'll cry out for those that are hurting, for those that are broken, for those that are in riots, for everything else. And that that's you know, the ultimate solution to all of this is not a political one or racial one or anything else. The ultimate solution to this is crying out and embracing and demonstrating the presence and the power and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the church becomes the church, we'll see things change. So we need to really remember that and press into that. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom. First, highest priority, his kingdom, his righteousness, And basically, and I'll paraphrase, when we do that, everything else falls into line. All these things will be given to you as well. In other words, the things that we're focusing on, the things we're concerned about, the Lord will bring everything into priority there. And I just wanted to look at a couple of simple parables that we have. Matthew 13, verse 44 through 46. Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. 46. It's very interesting because in the early days of the vineyard, um, John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, um, and, and we probably have it somewhere, an archive somewhere, a video, a DVD of this. But John Wimber, just one night on a sunny night at the Anaheim Vineyard in California, did a message on, on this passage, the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. And he just shared that. And I was thinking about that when... when and I feel like the Lord brought me to it to, for us to look at today, that this is just so important. It is so critical. This is really just everything in a nutshell comes from these two. It says, The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, or whatever, the kingdom of his presence, is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. Now, the first thing that's interesting about that is that he had integrity. When he, when he came to this and he, and he came and he found this hidden treasure, that he didn't just get his wheelbarrow out and steal what was there. You know, it's like we, some people would say, oh, that's easy pickings. Oh, the Lord must have, it's the open door. You know, the Lord has given me the open door for this treasure. You know, sometimes it's so easy to... Uh, to do that, to, to focus on other areas and, and in that. But it says that when he found this treasure, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. You see, when he saw this treasure, 
he was willing to pay whatever price to do whatever it took to obtain legally that treasure so that it could be his. So that when he did that, when he hid it and he bought it, it was great joy. It was great joy for him. Verse 45 is another example of the same thing. Again, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. It's interesting, he didn't go to a stockbroker and say, what do you think, is this a good time to, to do this or not? You know, I don't know. That didn't matter. You see, what in these two parables here, what we have is we have someone that has an eye for what's really important. They have an eye for what's important. That is so important for them that when they see it, they're willing to pay whatever the cost is, whatever the price is, both of them, for, for the treasure hid in the field and also for um, going on from there and finding the pearl of great price. What the body of Christ needs, what I need, what we need, it's we need to come to the, back to the place or to the place of where we have such a passion for God's presence that we know what the pearl really is, that we know what the treasure really is, and that we're willing to do whatever it takes to obtain that pearl and to obtain that, that treasure that was hidden there because in obtaining those, we obtain the joy of the Lord and the presence of the Lord. And I think that's all it's about. So, so I have in your notes here, the hidden treasure, the priceless pearl, recognizing what's of value. That's one of the things I just think need to cry out more in our prayer time. Lord, what's really important? What's really important? What's really not important? Because we need to spend time in these last days on what's really important, what the Lord has for us in those days, recognizing what's of value, recognizing what are we willing to pay when these guys came and they found the, the, the treasure and they found the pearl, what were they willing to pay? It didn't matter. They were willing to pay everything they had to, to get the pearl and to get the treasure of God's presence. Remember we start off with Hannah? And she says, oh God, if you'll just give me this child, this son, I'll give him back to you. And it didn't mean she never got to see him. But the Lord took that because she knew what the pearl was. And the pearl was, was touching the heart of God, letting the heart of God touch her so that because the heart of God there was to give and to bless a nation. And that's God's heart for us. Philippians chapter 3. As we finish off with here. Philippians chapter 3. This is the Apostle Paul in his time of self-evaluation and talking about the passion that he had for the Lord. Philippians chapter 3. In this chapter, and we won't read it all, but basically in this chapter, he kind of goes through his resume. Do you ever do that? That can be a depressing thing sometimes. <laughs> but do you ever go through and look at... Look at all the things that you did here or there and, and kind of look back through the years or whatever, look at pictures or things. And It's funny how they've changed a lot from what your memory was. You know, it's like, for one thing, 
We're a lot thinner then, but that's another matter. <laughs> but it's just like things change in that. And so the Apostle Paul just, just decides, and I feel like he's being led by the Lord, that he just wants to kind of ha- take stock of his past and what he's done, what he's obtained, what it's about, and to look at it, especially in, in light of the Lord. And so he begins to look at that, and he, and he starts off and he starts listing the things that he did. And he said, well, if, if someone thinks that they, this is verse number four, he says, if, if someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, he says, I have more. And he just starts giving you his list. He says, you know, I was circumcised on the right day. I'm from the people of Israel. I'm the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was a Pharisee and you know, was zealous, and I persecuted the church. He's going through all these things that at one point were very important to him, and they were like badges, you know, that he had. But now in verse 7 he says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, what is more, I now consider everything a loss because of knowing the surpassing worth, uh, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. You know, sometimes, have you ever gone through your closets or ever gone through drawers or things that were precious commodities to you, you know, you got somewhere special, whatever, and, and then you get them out and you look at them and it's like they're not as pretty as you thought they were, you know, or they might be broken, they might be fragile, they may not, they may have almost been idols in our hearts that we were going after. Paul, Paul looked at all that, took it, put it in his treasure, in his former treasure box and just said, it's worthless compared to knowing Jesus. Wasn't all the things he did that weren't pretty impressive in the natural. But he said, my resume in the natural look good, looks good, but it's all garbage. It's all about the resume with the Lord. It's all about that. Leaving things of the past behind, continually pursuing knowing the Lord, pressing on and pressing in to the prize of Jesus. Revelation 3 verse 19 says this, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. That seems, wait a minute, Lord, I thought those you love, you just gave them a good bear hug. Well, there's times for bear hugs. And there are times, I think there's for spiritual whops on the honey, too, you know, where the Lord needs to wake us up and say, hey, get back on track. Get back on that. If you watch NCS, it's sometimes the Lord is like Gibbs, you know, just... And that's, you probably don't watch that anyway in there. You know, that sometimes we just need a, you know, we need a pop in the head or something. Say, wait, hey, get out of it. Wake up. Those whom I love, I rebuke. Not probably not with his head. And discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. The Lord, and this is the Lord speaking to you and to me, to all of us right now. Here I am right now. The Lord is here. He's here. He's there. He's in every one of you. He's in us. He's here. He says, be earnest, repent. I'm here. I stand at the door and knock. And so right now, the Lord is knocking at us as a church and individually. And he says, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in 
and will eat with him and he with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, that's the cry of our hearts. Jesus, we want today to hear your voice. We want to recognize your voice. We want the voice of the evil one and the voice of those that are just not quite in tune with your spirit to fall away. Because Jesus, we individually, as singles and as couples and as families, we cry out to you and say, Lord, we want to accomplish what you've destined for our lives. As a church, as a family, as singles, as individuals, God, we want to see your kingdom advance. Jesus, we want to lay everything down that we might obtain the pearl of great price and the treasure of the field. Because, Lord, it's all about you. Change our hearts. Change our lives. Lord, I just pray that, that this week that you will release prophetic dreams, that as we sleep that you will give us dreams that we remember, that will speak to our hearts and speak to our lives, that will reveal revelation, that will reveal um, words of knowledge and words of wisdom that will, that will reveal direction for the days to come. Lord, I just pray that we as, as a church, as this vineyard church would be a church of the supernatural, that we would offer, that we would, would go through our lives not in just what we understand, but by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Fill this room with your presence. Fill this room with your anointing. Cleanse our hearts. Wash us, clean us. Put back in us, Lord, that spirit and that fire that cries and, and dwells in purity in our hearts and lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord God.